Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. So uh, Matthew 7, we're kicking off a series calling it Home Team, and we're talking about how to build a winning team in your home, because the reality is, even the things that we've just mentioned, and so many more things we could talk about, but that's not the point of today, and, and maybe not even the point of the series, is the family's under such attack. I mean, I've never seen it like it is right now. I've not, and I'm 54 years old, and, and doing what, even doing what I'm doing, you know, being in ministry almost 30 years, and so therefore, you kind of, it's on your radar a little bit. I've never seen it like it is today. But at the same time, God's still God. <laughs> that hasn't changed one bit. The world's getting more difficult and challenging and intense, but God is still the same. He's still on the throne. And so there has to be a way that you and I can still find in the midst of chaos, in the midst of tension, that we can still find some peace and strength. We can still find a way to build a winning family because the reality is, and you've said it and I've said it, I don't know what it's gonna be like when my kids are in school or my grandkids are in school and school's now and you turn on the news and if you're like me, I, I watch too much, you turn on the news and you hear about kindergartners to third graders being taught about gender identity and stuff and I, I just, it blows my mind that, that that's, who even thought about that? And, and I don't mean any disrespect and judgmental anybody. I'm going to judge the statement, not the person, right, or the, or the spirit behind it, if you will. Maybe that's what we should say. But I'm like, we're in a world that who knows what's coming next? Well, let me answer that. God does. <laughs> and he's still the same. So we have to be even more diligent and determined to build our team, our winning team, in our home. And let me say this, if you can take care of it in the home, and there's no perfect home, no perfect parents, no perfect kids, then you have a better chance of walking it out out there. So I don't know what tomorrow holds, or a year, or five years, when I have grandkids, great-grandkids. I don't know what the world's gonna look like, but I know what God's gonna look like. And I know what his plan's gonna look like based on the word of God. And I know the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So I can't be unwise, but I don't have to live in fear either. And so I need to do what I need to do at home. And so I just wanna challenge everybody today. I don't mean this to be hard today. Um, I hope it's not. It's basically when the time I have left because the other things I felt we should address. Um, I wanna set you up for the rest of the series. I wanna look at a foundation for you and I. We have to be so diligent and so intentional in the world we live in today. Building a winning family begins at home. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, familiar with a lot of us here this morning. Let me read it for you. It's in your live notes as well on the screen. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, let me say this real quick. It just kind of popped in my head as I was reading that. Anyone who hears these words of mine, not my words, God's words, right? So no matter who you're listening to, you've got to always go back to the word of God. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. In fact, this Jesus is speaking. Jesus, this is about Jesus who just preached the greatest sermon the world has ever known. And he's talking about his words in this moment. So Matthew 27, 24 through 27, Jesus promises us three things in here. One thing, the first thing he promises us, and let's get this out right away, is he promises us that we will have difficulties in our life. <laughs> oh, that's encouraging. That's the first thing I need to know. I'm glad it's my first day at church here at Tree of Life. Thank you, coming back. He tells the truth. You know why he can so confidently tell the truth? Because he knows who he is. Why not? 
We want to sugarcoat everything. And I believe that, you know, we love and all that. And he does it in love, for sure, the truth in love. But I think the reality, we need to know the reality of life, that everything's not just because you became a Christian and you know. You knew just because you became a Christian, it wasn't going to all be butterflies and roses about 60 seconds after you said yes to Jesus, right? You prayed that prayer. (laughs) But here's the reality. It's like God never changes, and he still has a plan and purpose for everything in our life. But Jesus is very clear here. You'll have difficulties all of our lives. And I can't think of a time that I've seen so many storms or difficulties. We have COVID, economic uncertainty, gas prices, inflation, interest rates, Baby formula shortages, that's a real deal. And and ladies, if you find that, I don't know what we can do, but we'll do everything to see if we can't help. I don't know what it can be, but I know that's a real deal for people. We we have things like, uh, obviously, crime and and drugs, and sadly, uh, you know, the the, the young man lost his life last last week, and so we want to be sensitive to families and what they're walking through with their kids and their teenagers, all kinds of temptations and things out there. I just mentioned earlier, like, things that are, that are being talked about being talked about, like gender and, and through K through three, and uh, how about racism and, and pro-life and pro-choice, and how about wars and sanctions and all those things, and how about that? How about it? How about God? <laughs> how about my home built on the rock? How about the Word guiding my life? How about the Holy Spirit empowering me to do what God's called me to do? How about that, right? Jesus says you're gonna build a house and there will be trouble. There'll be rain, wind, storms at your house. Jesus tells us the truth. And so let me say this, we know this, your house is only as strong as the foundation. And let me say this, if you're only building your home for good times, you're building it for failure. Because I'm not a builder and I don't know a whole lot about foundations. I've learned because I lived in a part of town that all of a sudden I saw cracks on my wall. <laughs> you know, right, the first time I just tried to paint over it. I just painted over that, right? A couple of times and then all of a sudden you realize there's a greater issue and it's not the surfacey stuff, it's what's underneath, which is the foundation, which you can't see. However, it is the most important part. Building that foundation, working on that foundation. And so uh, we, ha- we saw that happening. It's just things move, things change. And so we have to make sure our foundation is sure, um, making sure we're building on the right thing, on the right things, and build, oh, here's what I was gonna say with that. So I'm not a builder, but I know a lot of wonderful people that are builders, and I know in planning and building things, um, a builder would probably tell you this, you build something for the worst case scenario, right? We're building for the good times, baby. Come on, <laughs> let's just do this and this and this and this. Let's save some money and not have to put all that in here because this is gonna be, we're gonna do this. I, my wife and I, over when we were over in Turkey on our trip, the seven churches of Revelation, now these things happened thousands of years ago and hundreds, there were just piles of rocks with were homes and buildings. But here's what we, we kept hearing our guides say. And then in this year, in like 65 AD, there was an earthquake that destroyed all this. And then this year, you know, whatever, BC, an earthquake destroyed all this. And an earthquake, can I tell you, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. But you and your house can stand. If you build it on your foundation the right way, and that's what we're gonna look at these next few weeks, building our foundation right. So we know that even in, in where we live today, we see those things happening, and we need to build for success. And whether we realize or not, there's times and things that we're building for failure because we're not understanding the times. Jesus says, build your life, your marriage, your family. If you have a strong foundation, you will need it. Wise builders build for a worst-case scenario. Uh, my wife and I, where we currently live, we live closer to the river, close to the river, one of the rivers here in town. And so when we were looking at the home, we loved the home, but there was a lot of empty lots around us and we realized that those used to have homes and the river washed them away. <laughs> and so then the home we were looking at, our first question was, is this safe right here? And they're like, yeah, this house has been here since 84 
and it's the only one that didn't flood in the area. Your neighbor right there, they had six feet of water in their home, and, and everybody that rebuilt are paying this crazy insurance, flood insurance rates because they're there, but there's a new home being built close to us, and it's being built on stilts. You have to build on stilts now. Why? Because it could flood again, and I'm like, flood again? Because I remembered back in 98, that was the 100-year flood, and I remember in 2002, there was another 100-year flood, which never made sense to me. It's four years. And so they're building it on stilts. Why? Because they're building it for a worst case scenario. Are you built for a worst case scenario? Because we live in a world that is full of worst case scenarios, but we serve a God that helps you overcome them all. And so we have to be wise and understand that as we're building our home. Uh, another thing Jesus said is he said that you will have troubles. He also said you'll have, you will have security and stability when you obey his word. Did you get that? Those who obey the word will stand. You have security and stability if you obey his word. Whoever hears my word and does it will be like a wise person who builds his house on a rock. It will stand. And the last thing he shows us or tells us here, also Jesus says, you will have failure if you disobey his word. Not as exciting. I don't get any amens on that one, right? <laughs> That's all right. You'll have trouble. I guarantee it. I guarantee you'll have success and stability if you build or obedient to my word. And you'll have failure if you did not. Those are strong promises from Jesus, but they are true. Anyone who hears my word does not do it. It's like a foolish man who builds on the sand. And it said on the end of verse 27, it said, and great is the crash, with a great crash. And I think that's emphasized there, interestingly enough to me, because it's always worse than you think. Because we're doing stuff and we're enjoying it, things are right, we have it done the right way. Well, how bad can it be? Worse than you think. Well, it's only really me, it's just gonna impact me, not really, no, it's not, it's gonna impact people around about you. It's always worse than you think. Well, we'll be able to overcome it in a short period of time. I don't know, maybe, consequences, however, but it's always greater than you think. And I think that last phrase is really a warning to think that don't think this is gonna, it's gonna be simple, easy, a speed bump in the road, that it's gonna be more difficult than you think, but avoid it by obeying the word of God. And these are the words of Jesus, and he promised those things. So the question would be, yeah, obviously, and if you just think through it, who's going to build on the sand anyways? You'd be surprised. <laughs> and so uh, we know that the foundation is so important, and building on the rock, as it's described, as opposed to a foundation that's not as solid. Who would build on the sand? Well, let me tell you, the sand is comfortable, and it's easier, it seems like. And so, especially in the world we're living in, a lot of people are building on sand, using the analogy, because it's easier, it's more comfortable it's easier to build on a sand than try and build something on a rock to, that, to break through rock or whatever to establish a foundation. We're not living, and let me say this, we're not living in a non-biblical world. We're living in an anti-biblical world. It's easier to build on the sand because there's so much hostility and antagonism against people that are taking a stand for the word of God and the things of God. It's easier for us just to be comfortable and convenient, therefore. In fact, I, I want to say this, uh, just Saturday after the Special Olympics race here, I was headed home. I wanted to go through downtown. I love going through our little town and around the plaza. And as I got around the plaza, there was a protest. And it was a, uh, uh, people were protesting pro-choice. They were, they were standing on behalf of pro-choice, protesting pro-life, protesting the possible overturning of Roe versus Wade. And so I was reading some signs, and there's a lot of stuff going on out there. And one sign caught my eye as I was coming around the plaza. And a lady was holding a sign. And no disrespect, I don't know who it was. And um, if you're here, thank you for coming. God bless you. Come back. And uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. And, uh, but the, signs, the sign said, we're, we are a democracy, not a theocracy. And uh, I wanted to roll my window down and say, and that's the problem. 
The things of God are so important, we can't eliminate them. It's the foundation of our life. It's the foundation of our marriage, of our family, of things, whether you're single, married, or, or you've been divorced. And now, so it works no matter when you implement it. You just gotta start where you are. And maybe your situation doesn't look ideally like what the Bible might talk about and the coming weeks might talk about, but it's what we aspire to. There's no perfect family, no perfect marriage. No perfect married people, no perfect singles. There's no perfect situation. But there's a perfect God with a perfect son, a sacrifice, and a perfect word for us to live by and be empowered by. And so it's important for us to understand that. So uh, we need to stay connected to the Savior. And the other thing about the sand, sand is more popular. Go to the beach. People are all on the sand. They're not on the rocks, <laughs> except the Duncan family, because it's further away from the water. We get burned, right? We get sand reflection, water reflection. But the sand is more popular. More people will be building on the sand. Don't get caught up in that. The popular place to be is not on the Word of God, unfortunately, today. And then lastly, let me give you this, another reason why people bid on the sand, it's conformable. In other words, when you lay down on sand and you get up, it looks like you. But when you lay down on rocks and get up, you look like them. <laughs> it's true. It's true, what a great picture, right? You look like them. So Jesus says, I want you to conform to me, not to the world. And the word says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So whether they realize it or not, a lot of people are building their lives on the sand. And so we need to win at home. We need to win at home. So take a look at Matthew uh, 27, 24 through 27 again. I won't read through the whole thing because you have it for time's sake, but let me just get partway through. Therefore, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The next one talks about the storm coming and it's standing, and then the next one talks about the person who hears the word and does not build on the rock. So two different men. So two men being taught, listen to this, I don't know if you know this, because we, we camp out in this story, but before this story, it's two men being taught by Jesus. Jesus has preached the greatest sermon ever in the history of humanity, mankind, Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, Talks about, begins with all the blessings and talks about, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, our chief was here. And so, and then these guys are obviously listening. And so they're sitting there and listen to the greatest, not just the greatest sermon ever, but the greatest preacher ever. Can you imagine the living word speaking the word? And these guys are both hearing the same thing. So here's two men. One decides to apply things to his life, one does not. And understand this, it calls a wise man and a foolish man. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is the, not information, it's the application or learning of knowledge. And foolishness is not applying knowledge. Wisdom is applying knowledge, foolishness is not applying knowledge. Wise man is a doer of the word of God. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, amen? And, and both heard the word, let me say it this way in today's context, both were in church, both heard the, both heard the greatest sermon ever that you guys hear every week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Last week, and with the greatest preacher ever. Listen to this though. Biblical information was not the problem. <laughs> the Bible's not the problem. It doesn't matter what government says, culture says, society says, brilliant people say, you know, loving people say. It doesn't matter. Biblical information is not the problem. It is the answer. Well, that was written back then. It's not really applicable today. It's not really relevant today. Oh, really? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word that was God breathed and Holy Spirit inspired 
The biblical information is not the problem. And that's what we hear a lot of times, right? That's what's under attack. Biblical information. This is a democracy, not a theocracy. Keep your religion to yourself. Oh, no, I'm, yeah, I agree with that. But how about the Bible? Because <laughs> biblical information is still true, powerful, relevant, has life, has power. Amen? It's still important today. Biblical information is not the problem. Listen, evidently you can be in a Bible church and still be a fool. I wrote a nicer word, but I thought, no, come on, right? And then other people say, there's just a bunch of fools in church. Well, that's true. I mean, one way. I mean, you can take it another way, but. You can be a Christian and still be a fool. The difference was not the information. The difference was the wise man acted on the word and the fool did not. That's the difference. Knowledge was not the problem. The level of knowledge, the depth of knowledge, the amount of knowledge was not the problem. It was not acting on it. The Bible says all you need is a mustard seed of faith. My wife preached a powerful sermon last week. It says, whatever you have, pour out. Just pour it out. And does it seem big enough to meet the need? It doesn't matter. God's big enough. Just pour it out. You got to give him something to work with. Because we're talking about ultimately about faith acting on the word of God in your home, building your home by faith on the word of God. Start where you are with what you have imperfect and pour it out before a perfect God and he will use what you give him. And here's the problem I see today. The Bible is not where people, the Bible is not where people start to do their action. It may be where they start to get their information and a lot of times it probably is. It probably is a starting point. For a lot of us, we get our information first and start there, but then all of a sudden we start asking everybody else. We start getting into the world system. We start getting some sand in, a little sand here and there. And before we act on it, we've already, now can we have a different plan than the plan of God? But it needs to not only be our first place of information, it needs to be our first place of action. So we have churches that are full of people who listen to Jesus' words, listen to the preaching every Sunday, podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, and still build a house on a sand. On sand. I was, um, I, I can't remember where I was, but I was somewhere the other day and I had to go to the bathroom. So I was going to the bathroom and I, I wasn't in the room yet. I opened the door and I was like, wow, I wonder where that, where that light switch is going to be. And I kind of walk in and can't find, and all of a sudden the light comes on, right? Right? The sensor thing, right? You've been in there? We have some of our kids' room have light sensors on it where you just walk in and once motion is detected, the light comes on. Funny story, I had someone tell me a friend of mine was at a place one time in a, in a restroom and uh, they were in the restroom for a while. They had their phone, they were in there for a while and uh, all of a sudden the light went off. And they're like, and I'm like, what'd you do? He goes, I didn't know what to do. He goes, so I got the toilet paper roll out of the thing and I threw it up in the air a couple of times till it sensed the motion and the light came back on. I'm like, that's genius. I would have thrown my phone. He goes, yeah, but I wouldn't have seen it to catch it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> This is relevant. I'm telling you, this is relevant. Let me say this. The light comes on when there's movement. No movement, no light. Now there's electricity, there's power, but it's not activated or engaged until there's movement. And let me say this this morning, and I want you to get this. God has programmed his word to work when motion is detected. There's power, but it's activated when there's movement. Your movement you activate it when you take that step in faith. Just start somewhere. Start where you are. When you do it, you activate the power of God's word in your life and in that situation. But until there's movement, there will not be power. It's programmed not to come on until there's movement. And it's called faith. And the Bible says faith without works is dead. So start somewhere. And when you look at scripture, all through scripture, you see this concept with God that he, when people need help, he tells them what to do. He doesn't just do it. He tells them what to do. 
Moses parted the Red Sea by raising his rod up. Joshua took him into the promised land, crossing the River Jordan. He said the priests had to go step into the water. They had to get ankle deep in the cold water before the water parted. When he has Lazarus to come out of the tomb, they had to have everybody move the stone out from the tomb before Lazarus can come out. He had a, a, one guy go dip a, in, the, in the river seven times to be healed. He had mud on someone's eyes. Go wash it out in the water and come back. So he, he's looking for you to do something. Do something. You can't just pray and ask God to create a, a godly home. You've got to implement his word. You've got to activate it in your family, in your marriage, with your kids. And you have to be intentional. We're going to talk about these things. You have to be intentional. I mean, some of us are, are reading the word, hearing the word, listening to podcasts and parenting and marriage and all this stuff, and we're praying all these prayers. But until we act on the things of God, the power is just waiting to be released, waiting for movement. It's acting on the word that keeps the word active in our experiences. And it's the absence of acting on the word that keeps the word from being powerful in our experiences and so even when we're saying amen to the truth, even when we're singing God is for me, God is for me, God is for me, clapping and shouting, unless we activate the word of God, that's all it is. That's all it is. Wise men act on the word they hear and build a home, a life, a marriage, a family, a team from God's point of view and God's principles, not this world's point of view. Now listen, when we don't start with God and we start with man, now listen, when we don't start with God and we start with man and then try to invite God into it, there's no power in that. Amen. We get mad at God. He's like, no, that's not the formula. Movement turns on the light, turns on the power. And so some of us get frustrated because we're doing something and asking God to bless what we're doing. And God's like, no, do what I've already established for you to do, which is already blessed. And so when it comes to our home and our family and our marriage, there's just things clearly in God's word that we can do that God already blesses his blessings upon that. See, the word of God is programmed not to work in that environment, even when you agree with what it says. It takes your action, your step of faith. You build it. The word of God needs to determine who we are and how we're living. We can't control, and I wrote this down, how this doesn't offend anybody, I wrote it this way. We can't control the White House or the schoolhouse, but we can control our house. We can control our house, and that's how it turns the others around. Right. If we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in our home, you can build a winning team in your home. Right. My team may not look like everybody else's team. That's okay. They have to follow the same rules, and they have to follow the same principles you do. It works for everybody and anybody, no matter what your home looks like, when you get things in line with God's word, when you get things in the order of God's word. What happens? Movement turns on the power. You can start where you're at, and then it changes the others. See, we have to start where God says. We have to take God at his word. You know, here's what's really interesting about this story to me. It became apparent who the wise man was and the foolish guy was when the storm hit, but not before. But not before. Before, he looked like everybody else. That's a nice house, man. It's good. Yeah, yours looks good, too. My spot's better. Yeah, but there's no sand over there. No, <laughs> it's okay. And so we all, we have these things, right? We have these things. None of that really matters until the storm comes. And then after the storm, you see who's standing. Not that you revel in that with somebody else. But listen, it's not about how everything looks and, and looks nice and perfect and looks like to the rest. of It doesn't matter what it looks like to the rest. We get all caught up in comparison and what it looks like to the rest of the world and, and it has to look this way and oh, I got this over here and this and that. None of that matters. The foundation matters. You realize that. 
You gotta build that foundation. We're, we're investing in so many other things and so little in something that can't be seen, but yet it is the strength of the home. And so we'll work to keep up with the neighbors or all this or perception or reality or not reality, but, but culture and society. And we're, we're trying to keep up with the world today and the latest this and the latest that. Can I tell you the most beautiful building with the greatest technology, if it doesn't have a strong foundation, it's only a matter of time. And the ugliest home <laughs> with the most unlikely people in it can stand forever if it's built on the rock. Can stand forever if it's built on the rock. Those things don't matter. We need to make sure. I'm going to give you real quick. I didn't do this first service, but I'm going to, I'm going to take, I got a little time with you, a little bit more, because we don't have to turn our service over. I want to give you what you need to do just real quick, and we'll pick it up next week. Number one, here's what you need to do to build your foundation. Make God's word a priority in your home. Make God's word a priority in your home. If you don't know the word, how can you activate the word? And I know what it looks like for you and your family. And I know that, you know, you hope everybody in your family just reads their Bible, but maybe you ought to read it together. It needs to be a priority. If it's what helps with our foundation, make God's word a priority in your home. Start today, start this week. God doesn't bless good decisions. He blesses his decisions. He doesn't bless good ideas. He blesses his ideas. Real quick, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word has to be a priority in your home. Number two, trust God to meet your needs. Trust him. He's a good father. He's a good, good father. You can trust him. Take him at his word. Matthew 6, we won't read all this. No man can serve two masters. Either way, you'll love the one and hate the other. You're devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both, serve both God and money. You can't. God first. God first. God first. He's your source. He's your provider. He's a good father. He'll take care of you. Uh, real quick, I just I, when I shared this first service, there was a, a family that came to me. It might have been two weeks ago. Caught me in the main lobby and said, Pastor, we've been coming for a while, a couple, couple years. Actually, I've dedicated both of their beautiful daughters. We've been coming for a couple years, and just a few months ago, so this is probably a couple weeks ago, just a few months ago, we decided that we needed to start tithing. Now, you've taught on it. We've read about it. We've seen it in the Word. You've taught on it. And we just had never done that. We'd given here and there, did some things, give us some things. Then all of a sudden, we decided we're going to tithe. So we started tithing consistently. And then a few weeks later, I got a call into my uh, office at work, my boss, and she goes, I was real nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And you know, the economy is the economy. I didn't know if I was, you know, be let go or whatever. And the boss looked at me and said, you've been doing a great job. We're going to give you a 12% increase. And she's like, when everybody else is, when everything else is going different. And then she said, she had tears in her eyes. She, her husband's right there. And she said, and his work has been hard. She goes, but this has been somehow since that time, since that time, she said, her words, not mine. Since that time, he's had more work making more than he's ever made before. She goes, we just started tithing. The word works. Come on, somebody. The word works. We're not part of this world's economy. We're part of God's economy. Movement turns on the light. Let me give you the third thing real quick. We need to learn to think generationally and plan accordingly. We're not just working on our life. We're working on our life for our kids, but our grandkids and great-grandkids and great-grandkids. So if we can establish something now, it can be passed down. If there ever was a time for it to be passed down, we'll get to us in another message in the series, passed down generationally. We're setting up the generation behind us. We gotta think generationally. 
The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 22, says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Children's children. We need to think that we're thinking that way as a church. We're gonna talk about some things when we get to that in the, in the series. Think generationally. Teach your kids, show your kids. They'll, they'll take, you can't, you can't tell them one thing and you do another. They're gonna do what you do, not what you say. And so we need to think that way. Okay, number four, and you would expect this one from me today. Keep your family in a church where they can be grounded spiritually and build relationships. You gotta come. You gotta come and get connected. We need each other. We all need each other in today's world. We need to come and build relationship. We need to get involved. We need to serve somewhere. We need to get in a small group, but we need to build relationship. And I would say this with all the love I can. If, if through COVID and everything, we got into a bad habit, another habit of just being comfortable at home and you can come, come, come back. I mean, we're back at work, we're back at school, we're back at games, we're back at things. Come back to church. Get connected. There's something about being in it. You catch some things. I know God will meet you where you're at, but if there's not a reason to be where you're at, according to him, <laughs> not according to man, then sometimes I honestly believe you miss some things. And so it's important. So I want to lovingly say that. Come back. We'd love to have you back. Um, Hebrews 10, 23 uh, says this, uh, let us hold, I love this word, that's why I like this translation, Abby. let us hold unswervingly, I'm gonna put that on a shirt, I just think it's a cool word, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching, as we see the return of Jesus. We need to make sure that we're getting together. Nothing like being together. Last thing, I looked at the clock, I got another minute. Last thing, Joshua 24, 15 through 18 says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose from yourselves this day who you'll serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. You can serve what everybody's serving in the land or Whatever you want to do, that's your choice. But it's for me and my house, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? We will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I love this. That's why I added it. We always stop right there. Far be it for us to, to forsake the Lord. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our parents out of Egypt. Look at what he's done in our life from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. He's always been there. And the Lord drove out before us all nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. How can we do anything else after what he's done for us? He saved us and rescued us and paid for our sin. He gave us a future and a hope through Jesus Christ. How can we do anything else? We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. We've been given a divine destiny beyond our imagination. We've been gifts and abilities working tandem with each other that can change this whole world. How can we do anything? He's always been there, but serve him. That's for me and my house. My home, my home team, we're gonna serve the Lord. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.